We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everyone. Christy Munchkin Scott here alongside my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. We are here courtside on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. And we're going to be breaking down all things WNBA. A lot of moving parts. To say the least, Gabe. Oh, what a night. It was so much fun. The entire draft, like, it, it just, it's the most, one of the most fun events you can have in a sport because it's just all excitement. There's nothing, you know, we can sit here, we can say, hey, that pick wasn't good, that pick. We have no clue. No one here knows what they're <laughs> doing. Like, we're all just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. That's the beauty of it. Like, we're, everyone's kind of in the same um, position in, ter- in terms of actually knowing what's going to happen, the GMs, the coaches, <laughs> the players, all of us. So I, a blast of a night. Um, Michaela Onyemwede's grandma, can we talk about her? <laughs> Soul show. I love it. Listen, when she stood up and was like, hey, hey, don't forget about me and started <laughs> doing the Patty LaBelle arms and everything like that. Oh, I loved it. That, that was pure joy. Pure generational joy, and you gotta love that. Yeah, no, it really was a it was a special night. Um, obviously, it's another you know talk about these validation points for us as fans. Just another one saying, hey, like we're on the way in this sport. You know, women's mm-hmm. basketball it has made it has made a long way. We still have a long way to go, but it's just another point and say, hey, look at the ratings. Look at how good this this class did. Look at how how many special social media moments they had, like how many jerseys are selling out, like incredible time awesome. for the WNBA. And I'm, I'm really, and, really happy and excited and filled with joy. <laughs> and then we have to get to, you know, training camp and, and all that, but that's, that's for later. That's for later. Right. Um, but I did want to ask you like, what, what was your favorite um, pick in the draft of the player you think is going to have a, a really big impact? Well, wow. I think, Kaiser Gonjazik, you know, really? I think, I think it was a, you know, no one was talking about her, including us and, and no, no uh, shade there. I mean, she started her collegiate career out at Michigan, transferred to West Virginia, had a fantastic career there, averaged over 20 points a game at West Virginia, an amazing young woman, um, just dynamic in so many different ways. But I think for her to go number four, Gabe, right behind Ari McDonald, who, you know, just took our hearts in the NCAA tournament and just gained so much respect and, and grit with what she was able to do with Arizona going to the championship game and only losing by one point to Stanford in the championship. But to have Kaiser Gajuzic right there in the mix, I mean, I just think that was, that was just a phenomenal uh, pickup. I love that it's um, Marianne Stanley in Indiana who is going to be able to mold her at the professional level. I think she fits in in terms of everything that Marianne Stanley stands for in terms of character and, and hard work, toughness, 
team first, like all those things. She checks the boxes for all of that. So I'm just anxious to see what that transition looks like for Kaiser at this level uh, under the tutelage of a coach like Marianne Stanley. So I'm intrigued by that. Obviously the overall number one pick being Charlie Collier. I mean, that's, that's obviously um, definitely something that was um, great to see, you know, keeping her in state there in Dallas. I, I think that's fun too. But her whole story with her father passing when she was in high school and, um, you know, when she pointed up to the sky, you know, and they called her name, man, that was for me in particular, that was something that I could, um, it it resonated with me personally on that kind of connection. But I'm anxious to see what she looks like, too, in terms of her um, transition into the WNBA and how she, you know, was a double double machine at Texas. But can she? at least do half that, you know, in, in the WNBA and, you know, understanding the physicality, the speed, all of that, just see what she looks like. But Kaiser Gondrzejczyk, I think for me is the wild card yeah. and, and in terms of um, intrigue in the draft. So for that pick, I actually, I, I did a, an award show on locked on earlier too. I gave uh, Tamika Ketchings the Mike Tebow Memorial award for ruining mock drafts. <laughs> Cause that's usually Mike's that's coach Tebow's spot. Like you get to you get some mystics and it's going to completely ruin your mock draft. Cause you have no idea who they're going to take. <laughs> so uh, Tamika catching stepped into that role by uh, taking Kaiser. Um, mm-hmm. And she, you know, she was in the first rounds of a couple of these. I didn't see her going to Indiana just cause they have so much point guard depth already. Right. I see the fit in terms of like, well, if she develops into who, into who we think she is. She mm-hmm. is going to be, the really, really good point guard next to Kelsey Mitchell. If that's where our core is like where we can deal, we can, we can have this, uh, you know, I haven't seen her enough to say like, Oh, well, first off, you never see anyone enough. You can watch every minute of any of these people's games and tell me that they're going to be a star tell me that they're going to fail. And you're probably going to be wrong. So yeah. I think she's in a good spot. I think she'll get plenty of playing time. Um, I think she, you know, she had a great moment too with her mom. Like that was, that was really she sweet. Did. And her outfit was like on a thousand too. Go ahead, Kaiser. I, that yeah. outfit was like that. I, so I went, I went to Instagram just to, uh, I want to see some. Cause I, I, I was like reading, I've been reading like uh, women athletes have like two times the following of men's athletes. Um, oh, yeah. But Kaiser has 189,000 followers on Instagram, wow. which is crazy. That's like way That's more awesome. than, that's like way more than anybody else in the draft. Um, and to right. me, it's just, it's like, well, now she can monetize it now that she's in the WNBA. So hopefully she absolutely can some money off that. Uh, so star on social media, hopefully a star on the court for Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I like that. Cause that's not, that's not take everyone says like, well, someone went above our mock draft. Like they must be wrong. It's like, no, I'm going to, I'm kind of with you. I kind of see like Indiana, if you're a team, like you probably know more than we do. Um, not that it's always going to work out. Like I said, not that it's always going to work out. But, right. right. Uh, I, I do. I do like it. So the one, if I had to pick one draft pick to talk about, um, yeah. well, I love Renaya Davis in Minnesota falling to nine. That's like, that's easy money. Like who, whoever fell to nine, I was going to be like, well, oh yeah, Minnesota got to steal. It's a, right. we're at the, like, it doesn't right. matter. But um, I think the player I want to go with here is actually Chelsea Dungy. Okay. Cra- I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy for me to want to talk about Chelsea Dungy. I know like I never talk about Arkansas. I never talk about Dungy. So really weird for me. No, I do. But the reason I like her is because uh, I, I think she'll have like an easy path to being a player that Dallas can use. Because right. right now, even if she doesn't develop anything this year, she can get to the line and she can score at an elite level. She can create her own shot and she can get to the yeah. line at an elite level, right? The yeah. Dallas offense, like, completely cratered whenever Arike sat. So, mm-hmm. kind of want someone who can replicate the things that Arike can do because no one's going to yeah. be Arike. Look, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of good players in this draft. If they, any of them turn out to be as good as Arike is already, or Nafisa Collier for that matter, like, well, we're, we're talking about someone who should have gone higher, right? But Dungy to me just brings a similar vibe, a similar um, style of play that Arike does. So when Arike sits now, hopefully mm-hmm. Dallas's offense won't crater as much and they'll be able to kind of sit, have her rest a little bit more, have her ready for the end of the year when they're going to be making the playoffs. So obviously there's three first round picks for Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's going to be a really tough training camp to get to, yes. to get in, as we'll talk about. Yeah. But Dungy, Dungy to me has a really like clear path to being a valuable piece for a team. And obviously I've watched a lot of Chelsea Dungy. <laughs> <laughs> she's one of my favorite players in college basketball. And I think she's going to be one of my favorites in the pros because she yes. just can do something that at an elite level that should transfer and be valuable in 2021. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think she just has um, stability. And that's what I think you were kind of alluding to. Gabe, I mm-hmm. think she is a stable player on both sides of the floor. I think she understands the game, basketball IQ at this level. I mean, things are going faster. And that's not just physical speed, but that's your mental speed as well in terms of making great choices. And that goes on both sides of the basketball as well. So I just think that her stability as a player overall is fantastic. And I think that's going to mesh easily at the next level. And, you know, just one more player. And I know we were talking about just one, but I mean, another player, and it was quite surprising, I think, to see um, Dana Evans drop to the second round. But there have been so many fantastic players that are currently in the league mm-hmm. that have been drafted in the second round. So she was she was in tears, but it was it was almost she was tears of joy combined with tears of maybe a little disappointment. Because I think she was kind of etched into that first round more so than Kaiser Gondrasek was, as we were just discussing. I think, you know, we were talking more Dana Evans in that first round than we were Kaiser Gondrasek. And so, um, you know, I couldn't quite tell what her tears were based upon, or maybe it was a combination of all of the emotions like, oh my gosh, they didn't call my name in the first round. Uh, And then here's my chance. But wow, I'm in the WNBA. I think it was all of those things that kind of just magnified themselves in that moment for Dana Evans. But I think she has a lot to prove. I think um, slipping to the second round for her is going to be something that just throws another log onto the fire (laughs) in her belly. And I don't think that's going to be a, a negative for her. I don't think that's going to, you know, have her dropping her head or anything, thinking that, you know, I should have been in the first round and she's not going to be a well as me kid. Yeah. She's going to be, wow, I dropped to the second round. Okay. Well, this is what I'm going to do to you. And she's going to take hearts and souls, you know, this season as a rookie. So I'm, I'm anxious to see that as well. Yeah. This, I, I think I'm with you. Like this second round is going to produce a star in some yeah. way. And there's plenty of, and you know, there are plenty of stars from the second round, Alicia Clark, who we'll talk about in a second being one of them, but mm-hmm. You look at the second round, Dana Evans, Destiny Slocum, Natasha Mack, D.D. Richards, Keanu Williams, Unique Thompson, Dejana Carrington, Arella Griantis, like Trinity Baptiste was at the bottom of the second round. And you go to the third round, you got you still got great players in this third round. So it's just, yeah. to me, there is going to be a star here. I'm not sure who it's going to be because it's going to be so freaking hard to make a team. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'd be a little surprised, honestly, just like, projecting it out. I'm going to be a little surprised if Dana Evans makes a team. This team has so many good young players and so many players that they're relying on Yeah, that, that they've already invested in that I'm not sure there's a spot for, for Dana Evans. And you look at the roster spots right now, there are three spots on this team for the following players. Mm-hmm. Dana Evans, Marina Mabry, uh, Megan Gustafson, Ty Harris, Bella Allery, and then everyone else they signed to training camp wow. contracts. So that means two of the players I just mentioned are not going to make this team. Yeah. And it's like, well, is it, is it, is it Ty Harris? Because they drafted her last year in the first round who was, and she had a pretty good year. Bella Allery, same thing goes for her. Well, me and Rihanna Mabry started, started really well for them last year and is good friends with Enrique. Megan Gustafson played great spot minutes at a place where they don't have a lot of depth. Yeah. I mean, maybe if Queer comes over, then you have more of a spot. But even then, you still have you, you still like are not eliminating the problem. So, this no, training camp okay. for Dallas is going to be a killer. And I'm not sure if Evans has a spot. Interesting thing though is a lot of these times, right? Like you get cut by one team, and and this is why it's important. And if you're, a, I don't think kids listen to podcasts anymore. But if you're a kid, like. <laughs> It's important to always do 100% and put your best foot forward because what's going to happen is one of these players is going to have an awesome training camp. They're still going to get cut. And some other team is going to call and say, Hey, who did you, how did this person do in training camp? 
Right. And that, and that coach is either going to tell them, well, they, they did everything we possibly asked them to. Like we, yeah. you know, they drove for loose balls. We just didn't have a spot and it kills us. And the other team's going to say, okay, we'll go sign them. Or it's going to go the other way. Say, Hey, they didn't really, they didn't really believe in, that they could make it. So they didn't try as hard, yada, yada. So yeah, that's why this training camp for Dallas is it's not just an audition for Dallas. It's an audition right. for every team in the league. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think that's, that's a great point because I mean, there are just so many moving parts as we started the show with today. It's just, I, I, I can't even say how important the expansion of the league is yeah. right now. And I know it's not going to happen this season or maybe not the next couple of years, but I mean, there are so many great elite level pros who are coming into this league who aren't going to make a roster, like you said. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, you're not going to be able to find space for them. Like you said, like they're doing everything right. They're hustling, but we just, we don't have enough roster space. We don't have enough cap space and the kids unfortunately get cut. And it's just been a conundrum to say the least. I think over the last couple of years, just with um, the players who are getting cut, you hear their names and they were, you know, player of the year in their conferences, you know, I mean, Speaking of that, Megan Gustafson got released her rookie season and yeah. all the Iowa fans are up in arms like, oh, my gosh, she is like the not just the Big Ten player of the year, but the national player of the year. <laughs> and she didn't make a roster spot. And then a couple of weeks after, you know, they changed their mind and, and pulled her back in there. But I'm just like, wow, like if you can be the national player of the year and not make a roster in the WNBA, I mean, that just speaks volumes to the talent that's already there. <laughs> But it also speaks volumes to these kids in this draft, all three rounds. Like there's no guarantee that you're going to make a roster. I don't care where you get drafted to or, or which round or whatever. Like you can do your best and still not make it. And, oh, yeah. and that's and that's sad um, for the growth of the league. So I think that, you know, obviously that's something that's on the table. I know uh, Kathy Engelbert has talked about it. Um, saying that they definitely want to do it, but it has to be the right time. It has to be um, something that's a, a viable option, obviously, with uh, the marketing and the um, the funding and everything to to expand the league. But, I mean, I, I think it, it's definitely necessary because the skill level of these players coming out of college now is, is, is so great. And there, it's just a, a detriment to their overall lifelong hard work not to have a, an opportunity to play in the WNBA. Well, I think, um, I think I've said this here, like we need roster expansion mm -hmm. more so than um, player expansion. Cause even, mm. even, I mean, excuse me, team expansion, cause even team expansion, like, okay, you create 11 to 12 more spots, but then that team is going to be, you know, trying to win. And then, you know, are we, are we diluting the talent too much? Whereas I think if we create three more roster spots on each yeah. team, 15 players, which is to me, I, I mean, you, you've been around more basketball than me, but <laughs> like a pretty much every like organized team I've been on has 15 players. Yeah. Right. It's like you have 50, like that's the number you have three sets of five. So if you'd give every team three more spots, what are we creating? Oh God, this is math. I can't believe I made myself do this. 36 <laughs> more spots. We're creating a whole go. draft of spots in this league and it's going to cost money. I understand that, but I think it's, yeah. it's necessary for teams to be able to draft someone and then, um, and then have them develop in their system. Right. Cause right. maybe Dallas really wants Dana Evans and they're not going to be able to keep her because of X, Y, and Z reasons that I just mentioned. And maybe, right. and maybe if they had an extra roster spot, they would have her in, and they would have her developing with the players in the system, even like something right. like a, like a two way contract that I don't, it doesn't make sense how it would exist to me just cause like that you would need another league, but right. like some sort of version of like, okay, this player is like a practice player and we can keep right. her on the team. I, I think yeah. that would be useful too. So I, I just that like, would. there has to be some sort of, you know, conceit to each individual team, I think rather than a team expansion, just cause the team expansion, great. Like we create our, we have two teams, 24 sure. roster spots. We're still mm -hmm. not helping the teams in the league right now create value in their young I like pieces. That. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's really smart, actually, because, 
you know, if we're speaking, you know, about the finances and, and the overall umbrella of the WNBA when it comes to teams and organizations, I think that's smart. I mean, and maybe it's not add three right away, but maybe just give two or, mm-hmm. you know, just start with one extra roster spot and then grow from there. And then I think that's smart also to have, you know, those maybe two or three spots that you give as extra roster um, spots, give them uh, a title. Like these players are, you know, they may not be able to play in the games. You know, it's almost like when you transfer in college, you have to sit out that year. It's almost like that kind of um, basic training kind of thing where you are, you are, like you said, learning the system but you're not able to compete in the games, but you're around the team, you're around the philosophy, you see what's going on. And then maybe after a year of like the farm system of the, the three spots that you mm-hmm. add, maybe that following year you can crack, uh, uh, crack the code and, and get on the main roster. I think that would be a, a great way to ease into expansion for sure. Yeah. And so it needs to be, Kind of needs to be like with the salary cap increase or some sort of salary cap exemption. Like for if we're talking about some sort of path, a pathways program almost like right. that would need to be outside the salary cap. Because then if you make it inside the salary cap, teams are always going to choose, which is what's happening now because the salary cap. And we've talked about this on this podcast, everything in her hoop sets. We have talked about this problem. The salary cap jumped up but by less than an amount than the player salary jumped up. So the top players, their salary, I think jumped up by like 8% or something. The salary cap jumped up by 3%, which is now causing the problem of teams having to go with 11 players. So like the mystics, for example, well, now that Alicia Clark's been suspended, we have to talk about that. It may, it may be different, but other teams will be going with just 11 players because they're paying their top three or four players so much more money and everyone else has to be kind of in, in a, in a minute, in a minimum range. And so now we're getting this situation where there's not enough roster spots, even more so than the lack of roster spots there was already. So it has to be something where the salary cap is flexible to allow for this. Um, right. I'm just not sure. I, I, you know, I, I talked to those probably before it's like, who's coming to the table to mess with the system. Like are the players, the players are getting more money now. Um, right. And, you know, the players who don't make the league, they're not in the Players Association. So, I mean, like, I understand if yeah. the Players Association will like, well, we can't mess up what we have already for the sake of people who aren't here. Like, we have, right. we all, you know, we all went through it. So why are we going to come back to the table and maybe potentially screw up what we already have? And the league's going to say, well, why do we want to spend more money if our product's already doing really well? So right. I, I think, uh, you know, it'll happen, but I think it'll take some time and potentially has to be into the new CBA which I think is coming around 20. I forget when the opt-out is. There's an opt-out for the CBA. Okay. Um, this one, and this one expires in 2027. So I'm guessing the opt-out oh, is like okay. in 2026. Um, but regardless, it's just, it. it's an interesting problem because it's a problem that affects people that are not in the league. Right. So I just don't, for it, it would, it would take, it would have to take someone giving up something for people that they don't necessarily know. And that'd be interesting. <laughs> Just so from like a legal systematic perspective, this is a very interesting you. problem. No, I hear you. I, I mean, it, it, you know, for me, I, I am looking at it from, from all aspects, obviously from the fans perspective, they want to be able to follow their favorite college players to the pros. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we said, it's going to be tough to make a roster, but when they do make the roster, that following is loyal and that following is is pure. And I, I just love to see that happen. So, you know, the fans' interests at heart as well. I also I have note this is this is like just like completely crazy idea of mine. Someone should make a secondary women's league in this country. Because for a couple of different reasons. First off, you'll probably make money if you're right now, like now is a good time to invest in women's sports. Um, second off you could push the WNBA to doing stuff like every, the NFL, the NBA, every, every major sports league has had a competitor at some point and they joined up at some point or they right. were put or, or they pushed the other one out. The ABA, for example, in the NBA pushed the NBA to have a three point line, to have a shot clock, to have more roster spots, to have a better pension, to have a lot more players rights yeah. 
on the NBA side as the ABA was growing. So if you create a new women's league right now, uh, if you're very rich, let me know. I'm, I'm in. I'm in on this idea. You could you could help you could help make yourself money and um, push the WNBA in the direction that we're hoping to go in. Because it, again, it's a problem that needs to push. You need something to push into, yes. into creating creating momentum to solving the problem. And maybe you know maybe I'm I'm underestimating Kathy Engelberg, which is always something you shouldn't do. But <laughs> that's true. But I, to me, it's just like in deal in in seeing what other leagues have done throughout their history. Like, I, I'd be uh, I'd be interested to see what would happen if there's a second league here pushing for talent. Like, would it create what would it create on the on the WNBA yeah. side? Yeah, could there be a G League for the WNBA? Well, a competitor league. A competitor league, but I mean, could there be like oh, something could be. like that? Where where it's it's kind of like it's a sister league to the WNBA, but it's it's a you know a farm system where you know you have those teams like the G League in in the NBA have it right. They're like a brotherhood, you know, to the mm-hmm. NBA. So I mean, have something like that. I don't I don't see any problems with it. Isn't that college basketball? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of yes. Not quite. I mean, they would be pros. I mean, they would be. They would be like the G League, right? I mean, there's the college basketball on the men's yeah. side, and then the G League, and then the NBA. So, couldn't there be college basketball on the women's side? Uh, something like a G League for the WNBA, and then the WNBA. Well, there Why needs not? to be more. There needs to be more investment. Like even even the G the NBA's G League lacks investment to a certain extent because when you go to college. Think think about how all like I yeah. you know I'm a big pay the pay pay the players thing on in college and I'm not you know I'm not saying the virtues of college basketball or whatever but the virtues of college basketball are that you get a nutritionist you get excellent facilities you get a place to live with all your friend like you get healthcare yeah. you get you get a lot of things in the in a college setting that you would not get in the G League setting this is a problem for the NBA G League currently is like they want to attract players that would yeah. go to to go to college basketball to go to the G League but there's an infrastructure problem in terms of like well do we have a nutritionist do we have a place for them to live do we have x y or z thing that right. they just come to any random G League team that they'll have or are we just throwing these kids out there on their own yeah and so i think the WNBA when you look at the infrastructure and the investment we're still we're still a ways away from a G League like that's that's like a 10 year plan to have a G yeah. League um, I'm not sure that's it. I don't think it's the same timeline for roster expansion or more teams, but right. that would we be are, the third we, option. Yeah. This is like, well, I think it's going to happen, right? It has to happen. Yeah. Like you mentioned, it has right? to yeah. So it's just, it's just an infrastructure problem of like, well, oh. that's why we have college basketball. And that's why you go do that for at least three years. Right. And I, I get that, but you know me, I always see yeah. it. Like my eyes get wide and ideas are big <laughs> and grandiose. But I just think that, you know, why couldn't that be something down the road to consider? And maybe it will be eight to 10 years down the road. And maybe it is plan C, but at least it's a plan. Like there's got to be something to um, to safeguard these these grads from college you know, players of the year and in college um, to be able to secure their professional career in the States. And yes, you can go overseas and play on ground, like in in the States and playing in the WNBA, I'm sure um, is is something that a lot of these kids aspire to because that's all they've known. You know, these kids coming out, they've grown up with the WNBA. They want to be a part of the WNBA. You heard um, Charlie Collier in the draft say, you know, I, uh, my dad said I was going to be the number one pick and here I am mm-hmm. the number one pick. So, I mean, these are big dreams that these young ladies have. And I just don't feel right about them not even having an opportunity to, to grow in the league that they've been admiring for so long. Yeah, no, no, it, it is, it is tough when that happens, but you know, as, as a, a, f- a few people in this league can tell you, it doesn't just go like, you don't just go away. You know, if you want it, yeah. if you want it and you want to stick around and it's something that's really important to you, you can always have that chance later uh, down the road. I mean, you can look at Jackie Jamelos, who, you know, how, how many years, did, how many surgeries, knee surgeries, like 13 knee surgeries. I know. Altogether, yeah, like eight, you know, 
like five okay. ACL injuries and my or surgeries. And then I think it were three more surgeries just to clean things out or something like that. So like eight, eight to 13 surgeries going back to high school mm-hmm. where she just had injury after injury, but she's retired now. You know what I mean? But she had her dream realized last year when she played with the mystics and, um, you know, finished the season with the mystics, although she was traded um, to DC, but I just think that it, it's just, um, you know, it's at the top of, uh, of the, the bucket list for so many of these kids, you know, and, and to see those dreams realized on draft night, I mean, that was just amazing. And, you know, I just want to keep that, that dream alive for, for the next generation of, of young girls who are, are watching the draft and hearing them say, this is what I've been dreaming about. And then set that seed in their heads. I'm going to work hard because I want to be in the WNBA too. What's it like for, actually, I've never asked you this. Like, what's it like for you seeing that now become like a lifelong dream? Because that wasn't, that wasn't available to you. Like even after, even after college, it took a few years for the league to get going. So, um, right. You know, for you, especially with Bree, like, do you have, like, what's it like for you seeing that the WNBA is now a lifelong dream or goal? Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's so terrific. I know a lot of the players that I admire coming up, you know, it was Magic Johnson and Mm -hmm. Patrick Ewing and those guys. And, you know, but, you know, I had my side eye on Cheryl Miller, but I just didn't see her enough, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. now that you have players that that are right in front of you, you know, uh, playing and, and, you know, that's all you've, you've seen your whole life. And, you know, Natasha Cloud's been in DC for seven years and, She's like, oh my gosh, I've known Bree since she was like nine or 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And she's been sitting courtside like us <laughs> <laughs> watching, watching these players play. And, you know, it's, um, it's really something too, to have two, two boys, you know, to be a mom of two boys as well. And to have that as something that they've also grown up with. And our youngest is 14 and, you know, he can name, he can rattle off names of all the WNBA players, most of them. And, and he just has um, such an appreciation for the game as a whole, regardless of who's playing it, like he loves the game. And so I think that there's that, that meshing of, of gender, that meshing of, uh, you know, the, how the game has changed and the acceptance because of the exposure that's been gained over the years. I think that is something that can't be, overstated and I think you know for for him you know Candace Parker is like that's his favorite player it's Bree's favorite player too so don't get that wrong yeah <laughs> she, hasn't seen, she hasn't been able to see Candace in, in person because she's had like AAU games the same day and oh, she couldn't wow. go but Jordan has been able to go so you know a couple times you know she's taken the time when she's running off the court uh, for warm-ups and just talk to him just say hey Jordo you know what's going on my guy and and that goes a long way when he's sitting there critiquing not critiquing but he's he's sitting there analyzing mm-hmm. parts of her game and how he can incorporate what she does and and to his game so I, I think there's there's so much to be said for the influence of the WNBA and Yes, for for my daughter, but also for my sons as well. And I think, you know, just to see them going for it is also something that is encouraging, whether they play basketball or not. I think it's just awesome to see people going for what they want out of life and and what they're passionate about. So there's there's so many life lessons involved and so many layers to that. But for me personally, I I just think that it's it's amazing to be able to play in the States because I couldn't play in the States and just to have the opportunity to do it, not just have the opportunity, but to seize the opportunity and seize the moment and to put a WNBA uniform on. I mean, for these young women, I just think that it's, it's just awesome to watch them do that. And the smiles that they have and the tears, you know, that they have, I think, you know, I I feel all of that in a lot of ways. No, I wish we could end the podcast right there um, because that was, that was very pretty and inspiring. <laughs> However, we can't. We have bad news. Um, <laughs> we have bad news to talk about. Uh, uh, do you want to start with the Mystics? Let's start with the Mystics. Um, yeah, so they so. extended the contract of Alicia Clark. They can do so because her injury came when she was playing for Lyon in France. Um, yeah. uh, she has a Liz Frank injury. Um I don't actually know if I'm saying that right, but it's a, it's basically like a torn, it's what, a, like a torn tendon in your foot. foot. Yeah. 
Sounds like it hurts a lot. She posted pictures of her surgery. She is uh, up and about. I think she has her her hard cast off now, so she's probably yeah. in softness for a few months. But uh, so she'll be out for the year. She is suspended. She will also not be receiving pay, um, which is a damn shame because this is the first year that Alicia Clark was going to get paid anywhere close to the value that she provides to a team. Still underpaid. All of the players in WNBA are underpaid. I'm going to tell you that right now. But for her, the val- she's finally going to get close to the value that she provides to the team. And now it's uh, this injury. It really, uh, I, I'm mad about it. Um, yeah, me too. For a bunch of different reasons, like we were just talking about playing in the States was an option for you. Well, for Alicia to make, to make it here, first off, because she was one of those players who got drafted in the second round, got cut twice. So she had to go overseas to continue right. her career. She right. did. She used it as a time to to explore, to get better in her game and came back and made a team. And now that it's finally at the point where she probably could have said, I'm not going to play after this year because I have a good, I have a good enough salary here. Mm-hmm. She gets injured. And that to me just like infuriates me because uh, I really want to see her play. Um, but I think, you know, the bigger question here is how does this affect the Mystics um, season? goals in terms of winning a championship yeah I, I just you know I, I really am in pain for her emotionally I know mm-hmm. it's a painful injury physically for her foot and the surgery that she's had but just mentally that's just a tough hurdle and and not just for Clark but for the team I think that Mike Tebow's statement when they made the announcement that she was going to be out with this injury you know Mike Tebow is just um you know, you saying how disappointing it was um, to hear that news of her injury because they had really planned so much around her. They were really looking forward to having her play. Uh, she was excited about playing, you know, with Deladon and Cloud and everybody and, you know, Tina Charles this year. I just think that it was just a perfect situation for her to, to walk into. And, um, you know, they had to give up trades to get her here. They had to give up a lot uh, to have her on board, but, you know, they, they signed Shavante Zellis and, you know, she's had um, great numbers and her seasons overseas. And I, I just think she's going to be great for the team as well, but, you know, the experience level, um, you know, the couple of championships that she's won as well. I, I think, you know, that's what you're going to be missing with Clark's absence this year. Yeah. No, I think to me, it's a, it's a massive, it's just a massive loss for the Mystics because she yeah. was, a, she was going to be, they lose aerial powers. Mm-hmm. Um, they lose aerial powers to Minnesota. And, you know, I think Clark's a very different player than powers, but defensively Clark is much better, frankly. I mean, yeah. Ariel, Ariel still has a ways to go in her development, but Clark is a much better defensive player than pretty much anyone else in the league. She was going to be a, she's going to be a, no she's gonna be yeah, a no it was like, if you have, Cloud, Atkins, and Clark as your perimeter defenders, what the hell are you going to do as an offense? Like, what are you, what, how are you going right. to figure out how to manage this? So to, mm-hmm. it's it just such a bummer in terms of wanting to see those, those players play together. Not only that, but also to the Mystics championship odds, like it bumps them down a little bit to me. Like before the injury, I had them in this top three group with Chicago and Las Vegas as championship contenders. And I, I don't want to put them up there quite yet because I just don't know how they're going to replace Alicia Clark at the three now. Right, right. Maisha Hens-Allen was phenomenal last year. She was. If, if she shoots the three like she did last year, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. The team can manage. I think they'll be perfectly okay. Um, they'll, they'll sacrifice a little bit on defense because, like I mentioned, there's not a better defensive player in the WNBA perhaps than Alicia Clark. Yeah. But yeah. I think they'll live with Maisha Hines-Allen at the three, if she can hit those the shots that she was hitting last year. It's just, that's hard to ask of a player to kind of come in and, and come in from a, a much bigger role to a much smaller role. Um, but who else on, on this roster or perhaps not on this roster? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at to, to step up? You mentioned Savante Zellis. I like that. I think mm-hmm. she's a player who could step up and be a big part of it. But like I mentioned, and like we've mentioned, like everyone's talking about, there's going to be a lot of good rookies that are getting cut. So yeah. you have, you have. Let me see how many players we got. We got. I'm just going to count this on air. Deladon, Cloud, Charles, Mitchell, McCall, Atkins. That's six. 
Heinz Allen, Leslie are the people you are for sure, who are for sure making this team. Mm-hmm. I think we have those Ellis in there for nine. Yeah. So now we got two spots. Mm-hmm. We got two spots in this team for uh, Teresa Plaisance or uh, Estella Johnson, Slug Sutton, Dana Evans, perhaps? Like, I mean, so Chrissy, I mean, who are you looking at here for those last two spots? I mean, I like Plaisance. I, I love her game. I mean, she's another player who can extend the floor. Uh, you know, we still don't know a thousand percent if Misa Menes is in yes. or out, right? So oh, oh, I, I totally mean, forgot about Emma. I'm sorry. There's one roster spot because we have to keep one. <laughs> one. <up. laughs> All right. But we don't know. I mean, that could be, that could be two. We don't know for sure. But, you know, MME Cement is, is kind of in and out because of the uh, Olympic Games and all of that. We get it. But I really like Teresa Plaisance. I've loved her game since she was at LSU. You know, I think, you know, she had that injury uh, to her knee. It was the season before last. And I thought she recovered from that and, and looked great last season. And I just think that she has that, that presence inside. I mean, she's 6'5", and she can stroke the three. She plays defense in there. She boards well. Uh, I think she has a great touch around the rim, too. It's not just a, a stretch five, you know, kind of player stretch four. I think she has uh, great hands, great mobility on the interior. And um, she's a smart player. I, I think that um, Coach Thibault, I mean, I think she fits into what he likes to do schematically. And I think that she, she would be that fit. For them, and I, as I said, I like Zealous um, out there, but I like the fact that you know Cloud is going to be out there with Mitchell, and that's what we wanted to see last year. We didn't get to see it because Cloud didn't play; she opted out last year. But I want to see that dynamic. I want to see Mitchell push Cloud off to the two offensively. I want to see how they mix it up defensively, the one and the two with those guys. But I also want to see Cloud push Mitchell to the to the two. I mean, she I mean, she led the league in three point percentage a couple seasons ago and she was with Phoenix. So let's let's see that dynamic. Push her off the ball and let her come off some some rip screens, some floppy actions off the baseline and let her pull that baseline. Let's go. I want to see all that. I, and I just think that, you know, the versatility piece is something that Mike Tebow always has at the top of his list when he wants to run offenses. He wants to have the flexibility to put players in different spots on the court. And I think that's what you're going to see this year with the Mystics and Shavante Zellis. I mean, she's a dog on defense. Don't forget. I mean, she's not just a one way player. Like, yeah, she can get a bucket, but she can get stops too. Mm-hmm. And I think she's going to uh, bring her experience level, but she's also going to bring that, that attitude that they need on the defensive end. Obviously they don't have Tiana Hawkins who was with Atlanta now. And, you know, that was another player who gave them good flexibility on the defensive end, playing threes and fours. So I think Shavante Zellis can present that kind of um, that kind of importance, especially on the defensive end in terms of her versatility on that side. I'm interested in seeing what Zellis has left, but I also had like a very uh, negative, like physical reaction to you saying <laughs> Natasha Cloud's going to be at the two. Um, just cause like, I, <laughs> I'd love to see, I, first off, like I love tall point guards. That's like a weak spot. I got my, you. And you know who else those tall point guards? Mike Tebow. We share this. This is he why every does. time, every time I draft someone, I'm like, oh my god, I love this person. Like they're tall and they play point <laughs> guard. Like great, awesome. This is perfect. Right. Um, the uh, but then I just got an image in my mind of like Ashley Wusu, Katie Benzin, kind of doing that same sort of system. There you Natasha go. Tasha Cloud at the one, Leilani Mitchell at the two. Doesn't it also doesn't it feel like Katie Benzin is 100% playing for the Washington Mystics at some point in her life? I mean. I'm not sure what she's going to do. <laughs> if she's going to play pro basketball or not, but if she does, she'll be playing for Mike Tebow in Washington <laughs> for a training camp or something. Um, right. But yeah, I just, you know, I, I like I like that. I like the fit of those two together. I think it's going to work great. I am interested in seeing, I think the Mystics, while they're not, they became um, not as good. So their their championship chances went down a little bit. I think they're a little bit more interesting though. Because now people are going to have to step up. Yeah. When we've we've seen this team push with their backs against the wall, people respond. Whether it's Mm -hmm. Maisha Hines Allen last year, whether it's Ariel Atkins, you know, in, in her first two years, whether it's Natasha Cloud, like, 
when this team gets their, this organization gets their back pushed about to the wall, we see people respond. So I'm interested in seeing um, who responds in, in uh, DC. Also, I, we have to talk about Atlanta too, because yes. they, fu- they fired, well, they didn't fire. It's a, it's a mutual parting of the ways. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, a mutual, a mutual decoupling. Um <laughs> Of of Chris Sanko, the GM and president, uh, with the Atlanta Dream, and we don't want to laugh or joke about it because it's sad. Whenever whenever anyone loses their jobs, and you know, he actually did a pretty good job. He was with the team since twenty seventeen. Um, he he actually brought in Renee Montgomery, who is now the owner of the team. Um, I'm not sure how. <laughs> I'm not sure what role that played, if any, and what happened. But so I think when you when you look at Atlanta, though. Like mm-hmm. outside of Nick Collins' first year, where they made it to the semifinals, where they 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 were awesome. If you remember those games, yeah, I remember. In, in uh, the what's it, the Charles E. Smith Center in George in the George Washington's campus. Yes. So those games were awesome. They were, uh, and McCautry was hurt too during yeah. that time. Remember? Yeah, they I, they yeah. just went on a run. Do you yeah. remember? Okay, this is complete aside. Do you remember the guy during halftime? Oh, maybe this was a Sparks game. I'm not sure if it was a Sparks playoff game or one of the Atlanta playoff games. But the guy who was like stacking chairs. I don't know. Oh, maybe, yes, yes. Yes. Um, and he was balancing it. Yes, he, he was balancing yeah, yeah. it. He would like yeah. go up the chairs and stack them more. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But yeah. <laughs> but besides that one year where we got to see them play. Uh, they've right. kind of underachieved, so I understand this. Um, but where do you do you think that this Atlanta team is like in for a reboot or an overhaul of the roster? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I, I think with you know you have uh, Ari McDonald who was drafted third. You know she's going to be down there with uh, Kennedy Carter, and I think that's going to be fun to watch. We were talking about the ones and the twos <laughs> and the twos and the ones. Listen, that's, that's a great combo attack down there for the dream. But I think with Renee Montgomery, I mean, getting on board to be part of the ownership group with the dream, I think that's impactful. I, I'm anxious to see who they get on board as, as the new president of the team. I, I just think that it could be also Renee Montgomery, but I mean, Latina Robinson, a good friend of mine. I know she has a great gig with ESPN and doing so many great things in the game and running her own company down there um, off the court and being a great mentor to so many. I know she can still do all that, but I think she would be amazing. I mean, she lives in Atlanta, but that's just my little one personal thing. But I'm anxious to see. But I think in terms of an overhaul and a reboot for the organization, I think it's time. I think, you know... I think that it would be um, really a great move for Atlanta right now to to have a fresh slate. And I think you see that with the ownership group. That's a totally fresh slate. Um, We saw what the Atlanta Dream was able to do off the court and the WNBA as a whole to that fact. I Mm -hmm. I just think that the voice of the league is is changed and everyone needs to be on board with, with what the WNBA is about. If you're working in the WNBA, then you need to be on board with the WNBA as a whole and what they stand for. And not to say that Chris wasn't, so I yeah. uh, don't get that twisted. I don't, I don't, I don't know him like that. I don't know uh, the reasoning behind his removal, but at the same time, I just think it's always a good thing, you know, to get fresh blood there, to get a fresh perspective on the game and on the team and most importantly on the league and what the league is actually there to do beyond the X's and O's. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, well, first off, like, let's, let's state the obvious, get a black woman there as a GM. <laughs> this is not difficult. This is not difficult to figure out. Like you just let me your pool there. And maybe it's just Renee Montgomery, right? Like just, Hey, maybe. Hey, Renee, You're, who knows more about this particular team than Renee Montgomery. Right. right? So whatever she says, right. I mean, it's going to hurt some feelings, but whatever she says is probably right. Looking at this from a cap perspective, whoever takes over the job does have a good chance to, to, you know, kind of hit the reset button because uh, Courtney Williams contracts up next year. Shakina Strickland, Tiffany Hayes, Elizabeth Williams, Tori Walker Kibro, obviously seems like hey, everyone, they could, they could have a completely new team outside of uh, Cheyenne Parker, Ari McDonald and Kennedy Carter next year. 
Like that could just right. be they. They just may have those three players. I do. I, I'm. Ex, I think it's a good move if you're not sold on this person being your GM for the next five to ten years, because right. you want to get someone in there with the chance to evaluate, right? Like you don't want to drop in someone next year. And say, hey, like, okay, we have to sign all these people and like you have to figure out which ones you want. And, and then you have to figure out like everything next year. So if you're not sold on this person, like it's time to move on now so that the next person can come in, get a good glimpse of what's happening with this team up and down the roster, and then make decisions right. next year as to where you're going with it. Um, the other thing though that I want to talk to you about, Eric McDonald and Kenny Carter, is that a good fit? I think it is. I mean, okay. I think well. You know, I think while we're talking about that, I mean, we have here in D.C., we have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. I mean, I think people thought that would be a combustible situation, but I think they're showing that they can still be themselves next to each other. So I think that for the record, for the record, the Wizards are also 11th in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, but just just for the record. They've won six of their last seven, though. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> to get within nine games of, a, of 500. This isn't a Wizards podcast. They can podcast. do, it. They can I, do I, it. I know. I love Brad and Russ. But regardless, <laughs> continue. Arian and Kennedy. But I think that's the, I think it's a comparable compar- uh, um, situation, right? When you have two players who are considered to be uh, basketball-dominant players who need the ball in their hands to be able to uh, do their best. And, oh, there's not enough basketballs to share. I mean, okay, nobody's saying that um, about Brooklyn or all these other places where they have players. Well, they do, but they're wrong, yes. Dominate, right. But I'm saying, to me, it's always, it it has never panned out. They didn't say that about Golden State when they won all those championships. Oh, they have Clay and Steph and all these people. Oh, now they have KD. How's that going to work? They're going to win. And so I just think you have so many more offensive weapons um, you know, it just makes it tougher for the defenses. You're not talking about how people are going to guard them, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about how they're going to mesh together offensively. Let's let's talk about the whole picture here. Let's talk about how people are going to match up against those two firecrackers on offense. They're going to both, they can both kill you, right? So uh, pick your poison when, you, when you're talking about Carter and, and we're talking about um, Harry McDonald. I, th- I just think that, you know, they can both be dynamic on the same team. They can both feed off of the energy that they provide to the game on the same team. Like who wants to, I want to play with somebody like that. If I have a like-minded offensive go-getter next to me, I'm not going to be mad about that. I'll be happy because that makes it easier for me. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to double team off of Ari McDonald. You're not going to double team off of Kennedy Carter. So I'm going to get easier buckets because it's going to be harder to scheme against me defensively. So yeah, come on with it. Bring Ari McDonald down here next to me. I'm sure Kennedy Carter is like, let's go arm in arm, uh, skipping down the road with her because that's that's a problem for other people. But it's I think it's an asset to her because she's going to have uh, less pressure. That's going to be more difficult for teams to to load up on her when she has the basketball. So I think it's a great thing. And I think they're going to do well. I think they're going to be, um, you know, a great duo for the Atlanta dream when it comes to scoring the basketball and the problems that that's going to present for other teams. I don't, I don't disagree with the overall idea that this will work. My problem is though, Aries not like the best three point shooter. She had a great run into March madness, but she only shot 30. She only shot 34%. Uh, from from deep during the season, seventy six percent from the line. Candy Carter is just a you, you want someone as a point guard to be able to um, mask the differences of your league guard if they're two, right? So like that's why mm-hmm. Christy Christy Tolliver and Natasha Cloud work so well together because what Natasha does well meshes really well with what Christy does well. That's why they're a great back. Right. The same with our Mitchell Cloud discussion here. I'm mm-hmm. just like I, I don't like. Is is now Kennedy like your your two guard defender? Like, how are you going to defend people? Because Aries too small to really size up, so she's guarding the point guard. Period. Yeah. For the most part. Sure. And then the offensive fit. Just to me, I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit. I have to see it first. I don't think. I think it's going to work out. Like they'll both find the way. I just think this year is going to be weird. 
primarily because the fit reasons I just mentioned, right. but also because there's just so many people in front of them, like Courtney Williams, Tiffany Hayes, Odyssey Sims, like all those people are going to get, um, are going to get minutes ahead of a, ahead of a rookie. So we'll, we'll have to see. I, I think it'll, yeah. I think it'll work out. It just, I would have probably gone in a different direction. I probably would have taken like uh Renai Davis or something, but Renai I fell nine. So we don't, yeah. we don't know what we don't know, but um, that's, that's, that's the dream. It, it, interesting, interesting situations. In so do you, do you like the, the fire and ice backcourt duos better than a fire and fire backcourt duo? That's what you're saying. I like tall. Well, like I mentioned, I want someone who's tall. Like, give me some. Like, just give me two people who are tall. I can handle the ball. And we're good. I don't, okay. I don't need to see okay. anything else. If you show me a tape of someone dribbling a basketball and making a pass with confidence, and they are at least five eleven, you're in my backcourt. That's Done. like okay, okay. Like I, I'm, I I'm a very, si- I'm a simple man. I don't like to make. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Kiara Leslie, perfect, great, get her out there. You know, <laughs> Natasha Cloud, get her out there. So. um, <laughs> Stella Johnson, get her out there. Um, right. But I, I do, you know, I don't, I think it could work. I, I definitely think it could work, especially because of how hard both of those players work. Um, right. I'm just a little, it, it'll, it'll take some time, I think, before it looks really good. Sure. Um, and we'll see, we'll see who's in charge in Atlanta at that point. Um, yeah. Do you want, do you want to talk about the, uh, the two veteran waivers that we saw? Yes, please. I, you know, I, I just think that, for all of what the, the new CBA for the WNBA did for the players last year in terms of um, earning the, the vets, their much-earned dollar, I just think that, you know, to see TRP, Tiara Ruffin-Pratt, as well as uh, what the, the Sparks lost in her this year, they just let her go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I and mean, to me, I mean – and Lexi Brown too, but I, like for TRP, I mean, she's a DMVer. So I've known her since she was 12, 13, you know, years yeah. old. She was TC Williams high school in Alexandria went undrafted after she played great. in uh, Carolina blue down there um, for the Tar Heels. But, you know, to earn a roster spot with the mystics and stay here for several seasons and then go out to LA as a, a free agent, I just think that it's really tough when you have these roster spots. Um, like we were talking about these younger players, you have to make space for them and players like Alexi Brown players like Tierra Ruffin Pratt. I, I, I mean, it, it's tough to let them go, but I understand, you know, salary wise, why that happens. But it, it's tough because, you know, they get released. And I know Lexi Brown got, got picked up by the Chicago Sky. She's going to be there now um, after Minnesota let her go. But I, I just think that you have opportunities that are there for veteran-like players with veteran-like salaries. And then because of their veteran-like salaries, they're not going to have the opportunity. So it's like – it's a win-win or or a lose-lose like, for the experienced players because they're obviously trying to make room under the cap um, to get these younger players in and on board. But at the same time, okay, we're going to release you, get picked up on another team, but what if they can't fit you in their salary cap? What if they can't fit you on the roster? And it's just such a it's, – it's difficult both ways, right? The, the lucky players are the ones who are in their prime who have – guaranteed spots on on yep. teams but the the hardest spots are on the outside right the rookies coming in and the vets who have been in the league six seven eight years uh you know it, it's just hard on on that side too you know to stay in the league yep. no it's really it's it's a bummer um but you know i it's also like it's a function of the problem we were talking about earlier you yep. want your you don't typically play your 12th player for the most part, right, right. Uh, they're either insurance or developmental spot. So because there are so many less spots, there's now okay. Like, are we really going to play TRP all that much in LA? Well, probably not. So do we want to do we want to have that roster spot saved for her, or mm-hmm. do we want to waive her and bring in a rookie who we have now under team control for four years right. and have them at the end of the bench? And then if we need TRP. Hopefully she's still around and we can call her later. Uh, I'd be surprised if that's the case. Just 
TRP, I think, has a little bit more left in the tank, and I think she can she can join the team. I wouldn't be surprised if she's actually here in D.C. in, in a week. I was thinking that. Uh, you know, and my kids kind of said that, too. Like, would she come back to D.C.? I'm like, well, she's from here. I, you know, I don't know. And obviously with the, with the salary cap and, and everything, who knows what that, that would look like uh, here in DC. But I mean, they did, like you said earlier, just suspend Alicia Clark's contract. So, I mean, maybe that opened up um, some space. But they can at least knows? bring in a training camp. They can at least bring in a training camp. camp. Yeah. At least just to see what, what that looks like. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we'll see. And for Lexi, um, that I was telling you this before the podcast, like that may have been Minnesota doing her a service and saying, these are our plans. You are part of this group of people who, whatever, it's three people vying for two spots or three people vying for one spot. You're part of this group of people. Right. And you, right. To be honest with you, we're leaning towards going in a different direction. If you want to come to our camp, you can, or if not, we can waive you and you can go somewhere else where you think you have a better chance of making it or they have a better setup or whatever. Um, right. And, you know, I'm not sure that's what happened. It, it can happen. Um, if I was a GM, I would typically do this. I would say, Hey, look like these are, these are what we have ahead of you. If you can either go somewhere else or you can stay here. Um, right. And then I, I, Lexi seems like the person who would bet on herself and try to get, try to yeah. get into a spot where she's going to have more playing time. I actually think Chicago, if, if Lexi's healthy, because remember, mm-hmm. Lexi's Lexi's only been in this league three years, right? Yeah, she was drafted in 2018. 18, yep, yep. So she's only been in this league three years. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she has plenty of potential, and Chicago needs guard depth. They do not right. have that right now on the roster. Um, she's not in a point guard, but she could really help them, so – I'm yeah. not sure. I haven't done. We haven't done all the roster stuff, and Richard <laughs> Cohen's going to be doing all the roster breakdowns, um, and we'll see where we get to in a couple weeks. But I think she has a good chance of making the team and contributing yeah. to a title contender. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, she wants to get. She wants to get back at Charlotte. I know. I you know. I I was surprised that they let Lexi Brown go, um, mm-hmm. but you know, like we said. Just the numbers, I guess, weren't meshing there in Minnesota. But I think, like you said, I mean, Chicago with Vander Quiggs being out there, <laughs> Courtney yeah. Vander And then obviously with, um, you know, Candace Parker now going back home to Chicago. I mean, I think that that makes a difference for them for sure. I mean, Clea Copper's there too, having uh, playing some of her best basketball and Diamond to Shields. I mean, make sure she's healthy. You're talking about health of players. Like if they have all their ducks in a row and have all their players healthy, that's a dangerous team for sure mm-hmm. coming into the season. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Oh, God, I'm excited. I wish we could go to all the training camps. I know. I, know. I, I want to go to Dallas. I want to see it. I want to yeah. see it because that's going to be crazy. Face to face. face, to face. Yeah, um, courtside. <laughs> are you going to go? Oh, yeah, we're going to be court, courtside. Are you going to Mystics training camp? I have not heard whether or not we're oh. able to be on site for them. Um, I have always been down there and it's like one of my most favorite things to do yeah. is to sit there and learn from uh, coaching and basketball savant like Mike Tebow and his staff. But, uh, you know, with COVID and everything, I don't know. Uh, and I know oh. they start on the 25th. They start on the 25th. So I just think they're, they're keeping things kind of uh, – locked in bubble like uh in terms of having media present for the the uh training camp but i mean i am double vaccinated so right. hopefully i could i could be double mask as well and and get one of those helmets that i've seen online i'm tempted to get one of those <laughs> space helmets i could put one of those on and the mask uh, um i just want to be in there so i'm bad. cool if they just open a window i'll sit outside just like peek in everyone's Sit also, in the car and watch from the car. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, do you actually think Mike Tebow was in the building during the WNBA draft? Because I think they took a picture and they put it on social media and everyone left to go have dinner because they had nothing to do <laughs> during the draft. I think they monitored it. I think they monitored it because uh-huh. I you know. <laughs> I know they didn't have any picks, but at the yeah. same time, they're like, okay, which teams made which moves? I know. Uh, Mike Tebow, Eric Tebow, the whole staff. 
I know they're very strategic in, in their choices, not this, just the choices that they make, but also the choices that other teams make and the reasoning behind the, the picks that other teams uh, make and choose. So I, I think there was a lot of um, chess, not checkers being played that night, yeah. even though they didn't choose any players, uh, you know, they didn't have any picks, but at the same time, I think there's definitely a side eye into the overall draft picture yeah. on draft yeah. night for sure. <laughs> I'm sure they, they had it on one of the TVs. The other TVs are probably playing other <laughs> basketball games, hanging out. They were just hanging out. Let's be real. They took it, the they took the chance to just hang out together. And I'm jealous. I'm jealous. That's a great idea. I wish if I was another team, I would have traded all my draft picks. Just said, hey, we're gonna hang out. One right. one year we're taking we're taking this year off. Get some appetizers and uh, turn some turn some yeah. uh, screen and screens on. I get it. Yeah. Oh, but knowing knowing Mike Tebow, I know he was he was watching. He was probably locked in. He was he definitely was locked in. <laughs> I want I I want to I wish I was there. Did you know I I just know like Asia Jones is making jokes. Um, but regardless, that is uh the the Mystics uh draft situation. I thought it was really fun. Um, yeah. And the draft was amazing. And now we have training camp in what? It, oh, my God. It's like four days away. The 25th. Oh, my gosh. And then opening night is coming up. Second week in May. 14th, 15th. That, that weekend. That's going to be well, 14th, 15th, 16th. Right? Those three days in a row. It's going to be awesome. I so know. I can't they're wait better, for the games. They're going to let me in the stadium because I'm just going to go in. You're gonna be like I'll be, Kermit the Frog on the window, like yeah. The rain, I'll be, I like, can get, I can, I can look, I can see through, I can see through. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm really, uh, really, really, really excited for the season, and we have a couple more podcasts to preview. I know, I can't wait. I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm super excited. You know, obviously to be back with the Mystics this year, but also to be in the stadium for the games. I mean, it's, it's great to be, you know, involved, but it's one thing to be there and hopefully the fans will be in there too. And they said after the Olympic break that they're going to open it up even more apparently. So um, that's what Kathy Engelbert has said. So I'm going by what she has said. I'm not making that up. (laughs) Uh, I want the fans to be in there. I mean, there's nothing like having ESA packed with Mystics Mm -hmm. fans and you know that Gabe. So um, we'll definitely keep you guys in touch with all things WNBA and the pulse of the women's game and we just love it and we love sitting courtside chatting with you all and Gabe where can they find you on social media oh uh at Gabe underscore Ibrahim on Twitter and at ball and order on TikTok and and uh her hoop stats at substack.com we'll be having a bunch of articles to preview the season um oh and at her hoop stats on Instagram because I'll be doing okay. posts on there hopefully soon love it, love it. we have a lot we got a lot of stuff to do before the season starts i know i love it i'm gonna be locked in locked in on that um ball in order on the ticky talkie i gotta love oh, that too anyway but yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at christy c-h-r-i-s-t-y-w scott 51 and you can find us always right here on courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats podcast network. Thank you all for listening and we will be right back here next time.